0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. I'm also going to be at the Business Rocks Tech, Music, and Investment Summit recording shows live in Manchester, England, April 21st and 22nd, where Steve Wozniak is headlining. More information about the summit is on the show website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Peter Creedon, founder and CEO of Crystal Brook Advisors. Peter, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. How are you today? I'm, I'm well, thanks. I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show, and I think what you're doing is, is really interesting and can add a lot of value. But maybe kind of before we talk about uh, Crystal Book Advisors, let's get to know you a little bit better and maybe cover your background a bit, and let's talk about kind of where you grew up. Well, I grew up in Queens,
1: which I say Queens uh, is a one of the five boroughs of New York City because – Sometimes people say, oh, you grew up in the city, which is usually thought of Manhattan. But uh, I grew up in Queens. Uh, I've lived around New York uh, most of my life. Uh, I went to school in a small school upstate New York. And uh, of all the places I ever wanted to go, um, I didn't want to come back to New York. And that's where I wound up, and that's where I've been uh, for pretty much my whole career, around New York metro area.
0: Okay. So, uh, No, that's really interesting. So kind of what made you kind of decide to get into the whole financial space? Um, I was looking
1: around. uh, I had actually been working in hospitals, and I was part of the executive team that was running a hospital, and we were being, they say merged, but really it was being taken over. And when you're on the uh, lesser side of the merger or the takeover, you're you gotta look around and find something else. And I had a choice of either staying in New York and leaving the hospital industry or um or not. And I decided it was time to jump. Um I wanted to stay around New York and in New York and I decided I would do what I really always had liked, which was the financial side and you know the stocks and the investments. So I looked around. Um but I knew I didn't want to be just a broker or just sell insurance. Okay. So I was talking to a few people and they referred me to, you know, the financial planning side and the certified financial planner and what the planners do. And that really intrigued me and I liked it. And that's kind of the route that I selected and
0: uh, followed and pursued. Okay. Interesting. So, What, like, just for people that don't really know, because I would even consider myself in this space, like, I have a firm that kind of manages my investments, and but I don't even really know much about the entire kind of space or kind of what does that mean to people. So, do you want to maybe kind of give a bit of a overview of kind of what services like somebody that's doing financial planning for you really does for you?
1: Sure. Um, I'll I'll give you kind of – because I'm a certified financial planner, a CFP, the the designation really is kind of the highest uh, for anyone who's going after a planning designation. Okay. And a CFP takes – really, before you start working with them, they ask you a ton of questions, have a whole lot of discussion, but what they do is they really look at – I call it six different areas that make you up you know, where are you now? Because if you ask me, where do I want to go? Oh, I want to be rich and famous. Well, where are you now? <laughs> sure. Think of it as, think of it as, as directions. You're calling me, asking me for directions. I can't tell you where to go unless I know where you are. Sure. So you start with your current financial situation, which is, you know, what, where are you? Do you have the credit card debts? What's the income? And you, You know, if you really are getting a little more elaborate, you can do some of the financial statements like your income and your balance sheets and your statements and so those type of things. So you really get a good overview of where they are, but most people don't need a whole lot of help there, but some really do, and the biggest problem I see is the debt, the credit cards or particularly as your audience is is maybe a little younger and they got a huge student debt looming out there sure to the point that it's so significant it really becomes one of the first issues um and i'll just jump into one story real quickly sure i was dealing with someone who was 40 years old um and they got their law degree but they're 40 and they were wondering why they had no money. basically. And I said, well, do you have student debt? She says, yeah, I have some. They had over $100,000 of debt. Wow. So what we did is we looked at the things, uh, you know, the different ways, how they're paying it, there was refinance. And actually, we all were looking at some of the loan forgiveness also. Okay. So, you know, think of it, if, if they could get some of that taken care of. But really, what they wanted me to look at is they've got three children that they're looking at college and they're wondering why they don't have any money. So we tore into all the current situation and we kind of figured out the pieces of the puzzles and gave them a track to run on. But that's just one area. And a lot of people have the debt, but before you kind of venture and say, where am I going? You got to figure out where you are. The next area, which is, you know, you look at the protection needs, a fancy term for yeah, it's looking at the insurance, but what do you have? You know, what's the most important thing that you have? And it's you. It's your ability to earn an income. So we need to look at, you know, those issues and make sure of that they're protected. But also, if you've had a homeowner's insurance or a car insurance, you know, if you've ever shopped it, you can probably get a lower price price. And you know, it's it's just a thought that let's buy the best you can get, or the best that you need, at the most reasonable price. And it's just getting the foundation taken care of. So the you know the current financial situation and the protection needs are just building a a base or a foundation on what uh, on really what the next step, which is talking about investments. Sure, investments are really you know everyone says where do i start i can't tell you how many questions i get about where do i start or if they've been doing it for a while is it balanced well investments and we'll go probably into that a lot more later sure but investments is more than just picking a stock it's more than just picking a bond it's understanding your tolerance for risk where do you want to go uh if you have children you know, you've got many different goals that you have. And a financial planner always talks about goals or the, something like that because we're always looking at going towards a destination. You know, it's, the trip is the fun part, but the destination is where we want to get. We want to make sure there's enough funding for the kids to get through college without getting a huge amount of student debt on there and get an education that gets them going in life. You want to make sure that you can affo- buy a house. You can want to make sure that you have the down payment for the house or can afford the car. Or you can pay buy the home or the second home or have the vacation. That's why when I build a budget, I build in all the fun stuff in it because, let's face it, a budget kind of, yeah, who fair. wants to do it? <laughs>
0: exactly, yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, it's kind of like eating sawdust without a glass of water. It's not fun. (laughs) But if I know I'm going to build in X number of dollars to have a vacation at the end of January, the beginning of February, sometime like that, where I'm either going to go to somewhere in the Caribbean or someplace which is warm and have my feet in the 75 degree Caribbean water while I have my hand up in a perfectly chilled 44 degree pina colada is placed in it while i'm sitting under a palm tree that's as far as i'll go on that one <laughs> but that it's kind of an incentive to okay i'm working towards something to have some fun sure and the fun can be anything from you know just having a long weekend with a bunch of people going to your, you know your college football reunion or a football game you know it's all it is is just having enough. But when you get the investments, the investments are a means to an end to get you to a destination. Some of them are going to be for short-term goals. Some are going to be for intermediate, for you know, a year or two down the road. I'm saving for my vacation to, you know, be able to go to China and walk the Great Wall of China. Sure. Or I'm saving it to go to Mardi Gras down in the Orleans. Um, whatever it is but also my long-term goal. Let's get rid of the mortgage. Let's look at retirement. So these investments are different, but they are overlapping into the retirement area. And the retirement area, we'll get into it in a little more detail, but the best thing anybody has is time.
0: Sure. But, no, that makes a lot of you know, sense. Yeah,
1: You know, time is so important when you talk investments. For instance, if a 25-year-old who's Let's say you're going to shoot for 68 because that's a full retirement age today. Sure. Subject to change without notice, of course. But uh, <laughs> let's say if you're 25, you save $5,000 a year, and you get an average 8% return uh, over those 43 years. Literally, it should be worth a little over you know $1.64, $1.65 million. You want to be a millionaire, you're 25 easiest way to do it sure but also how do you put away five thousand dollars if you're in a startup or you're young or you know you're doing it when you're 40 sure to get that same number at 40 you would have to do uh well actually just to save a million dollars if you're 40 and you haven't started with anything you'd have to put in i think where is this number actually 45 somewhere about sixteen thousand
0: dollars a year Wow. That's a so lot, right? <laughs>
1: it, it's it can be overwhelming. But sure. You know, but think of it. If I have if I work for an employer and they match 3%, so let's say my employer matches I put in 2500, they match 2500. they're for 5000. Sure. So, but that 5 uh, but that 2500 that you put in is pre-tax. Right. and it really is only costing you $750 less than that because that's what you see less in your paycheck and you divide that by 26 and it's x number of dollars per paycheck and it's, it becomes much more manageable sure so i always say you know and if my my staff usually kids me because my sense of humor is just a tad on the dry side, you know? There's two sharks sitting like by a whale in the ocean, and they say, well, how do we eat? And the older shark says, one bite at a time. <laughs> you know? How do you get to be a millionaire? One sure. bite at a time. Sure. So it, it get going and just kind of move along, but, you know, there's so many potholes and, you know, things that can distract you, but... When you look at the last uh, couple areas of financial planning, it's the investments, it's the retirement, it's taking into consideration that's taxes. Taxes. It's not how much you make; it's how much you take home. That's important.
0: You sure. know, you got
1: to pay your fair share, but you don't want to pay too much, and you don't want to pay too little. You need to pay your you know you need to pay what is due. Um, but also, the last area is the preservation of wealth. Uh, some people call it estate planning, but the the real thing is once you get it, how do you keep it, and how do you keep it moving forward? But going back to the retirement, it most people, how do I talk to a person that's in their 20s or 30s about retirement? It's not retirement; it's financial independence. Sure. Think of it today: you've got a few children, you got the house, you got the mortgage, you're working at a job. And the bottom line is, is if I'm in my 30s, I can't imagine 38
0: years down the line. Totally. It's weird. So, I'm 32, so I, I'm like you're talking exactly to me <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. So
1: so in 36 years, you will be officially allowed to retire if you wanted the full Social Security age. Sure. That's a scary number. That's longer than you've been alive. Yep. So, when I talk to people, particularly younger people, and I really, you know, I do focus a lot of my practice on young entrepreneurs, uh, small business people, it's, it's all about financial independence. Sure. Because I love what I do. I don't plan on giving it up unless I can't contribute a positive, something positive to someone. Sure. Or I just... Get too fed up with it. How would you feel today if you had enough money where you could say, you and your family, that's it. I'm getting out. I can live on what I've got. How would that change your thought pattern today about going to work? You're going to work because you want to, not because you have to. And you can afford to do what you want. And that, to me, is financial independence.
0: Yeah, so that, I, it's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Please. No, I was just going to say, like it reminds me of a piece of advice and it's kind of semi-related to what you're talking about is, and it's it stuck with me for like the last decade. It, and there was a lady that I used to have like kind of helping me do some kind of financial planning stuff. She always used to say to me, and I had some like kind of student debt at the time and, and whatnot. And she said to me like, okay, so and I love my tech gadgets. And, and she said to me, she's like, okay, so you will shop, you will spend like, hours trying to get the best deal on whatever you're looking to buy online and you will get it shipped to you and maybe you'll even like sometimes you'll maybe get it like wait a couple more days if you can ship it through something else to get it a little bit cheaper but then you'll put that on your credit card or you'll put that on a line of credit or or some sort of credit and you'll pay interest on that and so your good deal isn't really that good of a deal because it actually probably is more money than you would have just, even if you bought it at regular price from the highest bidder, right? Or online or something. And I, that kind of always resonated with me, right? And so it's kind of related to what you're you're kind of talking about. But it was just one of those things that I was like, oh, yeah. It got me really kind of thinking about that whole space of like, well, how much am I really, do I need something? You know, what's it really kind of costing me? You know, even if I get a really good deal, if I'm putting it on, you know, a credit card or something and paying it off over months, well, that's just kind of, you know, I'm not really saving money. It's actually costing me more money than the actual thing's probably even worth.
1: And that gets into the area of what I like to call good debt and bad debt. Sure. Bad debt is, you know, you run up to credit cards and you can't even use the interest rate uh, for a tax deduction. But it's amazing what some of these credit cards uh, are charging. I I just met with someone, and she's in her first year of kind of a startup, and she's starting to make money. She's making good money now. Okay. And I said what she really needed help was just kind of getting things lined up and really kind of so she can get a handle on all the current stuff. And I said, okay, let's look at the credit card debt because she had, you know, $30,000 thirty thousand dollars worth of student loans. She had some credit card debt. And I looked at the credit card debt and one credit card had her at twenty nine point ninety nine percent. Wow. I mean oh, wait a minute, on six thousand dollars you're you're paying eighteen hundred dollars or one hundred and fifty dollars a month before touching any principal. Wow. And she was paying the minimum so she's she was hardly denting. She kept saying I I just Don't seem to see this go down. Sure. And I said, that's because you're paying almost all of it is interest. So all we did is I had her call the company. Okay. And they said, well, you know, we'll do you a favor and we'll bring it down to 20. Okay. Wait a minute, 20%? Oh, big deal. Now it's only costing me $100. We went out, got her a different card because, and at the at a local bank, believe it or not, and she's got 18 months at 0%. Wow.
0: So
1: the, so the $150 a month went on top of what she was paying, and that whole balance is going to be gone in a year. Sure. Instead of probably 10 years, she'd still have that hanging on. So a lot of what I do is kind
0: of we don't need to radically change anything. It's just fine-tuning it. Sure. And that's kind of what like really resonated um, with me when you and I kind of spoke um, a while ago and and kind of why I wanted you have on the show. It's just like I'm, I'm kind of sick of the people that basically say like you need to rechange your entire life just to like do what you want later on in life. And, you know, like I don't know if I'm just lazy or I don't care that much or really understand or what my kind of issue with that whole thing is, is it's just like. If, if it's going well, and it's kind of manageable, I don't really want to drastically change things. And maybe I'm scared of change or whatnot. And, but just like kind of what resonated with me a lot was, it was just kind of like, here's a problem I have. And you came up with like, basically a simple solution that's not radically life changing. It's like, here, you have this card, let's go find you something different. And I think a lot of people and smart people don't, Even think about these things, right? They're busy, especially if you're doing like a startup or you're running your own business. Even just trying to track down a a cheaper credit card is time-consuming and time you don't want to spend.
1: Well, it's also we tend not to address a lot of issues because we're all busy. Sure, exactly. Yeah, we run out It's like it's like the financial world. I run out of money long before I run out of ideas. Sure, but I run out of time usually before things. And you know, most people will look at the interest only interest charges only when they get the bill, and then they say, "I got to do something about it." But it kind of fades into the background, or you know, they may have had a couple blips. But what I'm doing with that person is we're we're going to pay this off, and our objective is to raise her credit score. So in the future, if she needs money, because eventually she's going to want to buy someplace or do something else or get a car loan, um, it all it's amazing how if you build your credit history the right way by paying your bills on time and being responsible with your money, people will come out of the woodwork trying to give you money. And they're the ones that usually and rarely use it that way. So... I think the big thing is is that everybody you know what I try to do is we are we're human we want to you know do things in a way that's comfortable on us but if we look at the overall you know who you are and get that total picture you know into a perspective that is understandable let's say when I look at a person I see six different pieces of a picture and each part of that picture is going to be, you know, you change one, something happens in the other. Sure. And maybe that's a little simple, but, you know, getting into the investment area, uh, everybody should be contributing. Even when your kids are going to college, you should put something somehow into a retirement account. Sure. It's all about balance. Sure. It's all about, you know, it doesn't matter whether you have a balanced portfolio But it's risk, return, um, you know, but investments are only one part of who you are, and they're only a means to an end, not the end. So gauge what you want by your risk tolerance and all those others big things like suitability and all those fancy terms, which means – you know, understand what you want, how you want it, and what you can tolerate to get it.
0: Sure. No, it makes a lot uh, of sense. So well No, go ahead. No, go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so what kind of made you start um, Crystal Brook Advisors? Is it like – yeah, let's cover that.
1: I – Okay, uh, fair question. Uh, What made me start Crystal Pickle Advisors, I've worked for the big companies. I've been out on my own, and I've worked uh, for different types of financial organizations. Sure. And I found that one thing in common is, you know, particularly when you're in the big organizations, is they know down to the dollar how much each client should generate for them. Okay. And I, I had a real problem with – I had a boss who said, for every person that sits in front of you, you got to sell them something. Interesting. I hate selling people something. Okay. I'd rather fit that piece into the puzzle. That's why I don't do commission business. Okay. People work with me on a flat fee, at least on the investments. I can't say I'm a fee-only advisor because I do provide – the insurance uh, for people also if they want. Right. But what it is is that I work on a flat fee. So I don't have to I don't have a product line I have to sell. I don't have quotas that I have to sell. Interesting. I don't what I do is hey, if you like an index fund, well, let's figure out what it is because let's face it when you take the money off the table and the, I'm not driving a commission business. What's what's the real focus? It's you. It's interesting. your where do you want to go? So hey, I don't I don't care whether you want the ETF, the exchange traded fund or a mutual fund, but you're buying it without a commission.
0: Okay, and I don't get
1: paid trails or any of that. The only place I get money or my fee for my expenses is from my client. So I disclose that all up front. Get it out of the way. It's funny. I hate talking about money about what I get paid. I don't want to... I'm shy. I'm bashful. I don't know. (laughs) But bottom line is if you get the money off the table quickly and you get the agreement, now what are you focusing on? Okay, let's focus on the debt. Let's focus on the financial independence. Let's talk protection. Sure. And I think that's that's a big part of why people don't do I, – I see a ton of people coming and asking questions, and they expect me to push a product. And they're surprised when I'll tell them all these different things or, you know, I, I talk to them about an ETF. My old boss, when I used to work in the big company, used to have a conniption fit every time I sold them an ETF. What's what's it's an a, ETF?
0: Just so for people that don't know,
1: oh, an ETF is an exchange traded fund. It, okay, it, it's a you know, let's say Vanguard S and P five hundred. Okay, um, or the S and P five hundred is a benchmark, but the S and P five hundred offered by Vanguard is actually a mutual fund, but it's an that acts like kind of like a stock, uh, but. Well, I should correct that. An ETF is very similar to a mutual fund, but what it does is that it is an exchange-traded fund. So what they do is most of them will buy a basket of stocks, let's say, to uh, act like a benchmark. A benchmark is something like the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ 100 or a mid-cap, something that is everybody measures a performance to. Okay. And my thought is, "Hey, if you want the benchmark, buy the benchmark sure why and most oh and you get into the active versus the passive most of the e t f s exchange traded funds are are passively managed well okay. okay passively managed means they they they're not buying and selling on a regular basis. It's professionally managed. The fees are usually very low. Um, and what happens is that once a year or so, they will go in and they'll trade out the winners, the losers, and rebalance the portfolio to whatever the benchmark is, whatever they're trying to achieve. So what happens in an exchange-traded fund, Then it is different than a mutual fund, in that an exchange-traded fund, you can sell during the day. Oh, okay. So. If I have a mutual fund, let uh, I won't use names, but if I have a mutual fund, a mutual fund normally trades at the end of the day. So whatever the closing price, if I wanted to buy a mutual fund now, I'd enter my order in, but I don't get the price until the close of the market and the, the funds positions are brought up to date at the close of today's prices. So I buy in tonight after the close at the end of the days, and that's when I sell. Also, if I wanted to sell today, I can't sell during the day. I have to sell at whatever the price is that settles tonight.
0: Okay, I didn't know that, but that's interesting.
1: uh, Versus an exchange traded funds, most of those, uh, if I want to sell them now, I can go out, I put in my order, and they sell right so it's more it acts like a stock or a bond depending on which index it is sure or an etf but there's you know there's there's differences and that's one of the major ones that uh, that can be there but to me uh, using benchmarks gee that's good if you want to have a little fun money and go after a few things sure go for it i don't have a problem with it you know as long as it's reasonable and it's Everyone's got to have some fun money and little, little things that, you know, I've got someone that worked in the pharmaceutical industry, loves pharmaceuticals. Okay. Company, the biotechs, you know, they, the people that, you know, are familiar with an area they use some of their mad money or discretionary money to kind of play around in that area or buy or sell shares and, or mutual funds or whatever else they want. Um, because they want to have some fun with it. They, you know. Life is not meant to be dull and boring. Sure. That's I... why. That's why people like me. I'm dull and boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, with a dry sense of
0: humor. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm kind of curious then. Like, how would I get kind of started with you guys? Like, what's kind of your your like process? Like, I you know, I email you or I call you up. You like you meet with me, and then we kind of like you mentioned earlier, you kind of figure out where I'm at now, and then kind of advise me or talk about kind of what I'm looking to do or, or where I want to be? Is that fair to say? Well,
1: yeah, it, it starts with a simple conversation. And I deal with people, and they're not always close by or, or they may be in another part of the country. Sure. Um, and I, can, I communicate, how do you you want me to talk to you on the phone? You want to do, do Google Hangouts? You want to Skype? That's fine with me. Okay. Um, actually, I like seeing people because when I kind of get rolling and I get a little passionate about what I'm talking about, but it's easy for me to kind of fall into using a lot of financial or what I think are easily understood terminology, and they may not be familiar with it. So I like the feedback and being able to see people because you can see them kind of going, what is this guy talking about? Sure. So sometimes a face-to-face conversation is fine, sometimes a conversation on the phone. So it all starts with a conversation. And they're interviewing me, but also I want to interview them. So it's a two-way conversation to make sure that it's a good fit for not only myself and my team, but also they're a good fit uh, for me and I'm a good fit for them. Sure. Um, and that I can actually help them, but not only help them, but they'll listen to advice. You know, I don't want someone who's going to be, I know it all. Well, if you know it all, why do you calling me? Fair enough. Um, you know, I have people that say, you know, I know what I want, uh, but I don't have the time to do it. That's fine. Then I'll just, hey, this is what I think. This is what I see. Um, this is what we talked about. Would you want me to? take care of this now. Sure. You know, as long as we understand. And when you're working with a registered investment advisor, an RIA, and a CFP, we like initials in this industry. (laughs) I can see Uh, that. (laughs) But what you're doing is you're working with someone who's working in a much higher level. So we're keeping track of the balance. We're keeping track of a lot of things. And you're talking to people on a much higher level. That higher level doesn't mean, well, he's got, you've got to be rich to deal with them. you got to be – to me, I don't have a minimum that you need to invest. Okay. You just have to have a desire to get where you want to go, and I'll
0: help you. Okay. So but, when, when somebody comes but, to you, do you basically – like is there basically like, okay, I come to you and I say I need to – or I want to invest in some things, like – and I don't really know what that even means or what that even really is – is there basically some things that you'd kind of recommend to people you should be doing like X Y and Z for example?
1: Well, yes. Actually, in the initial conversation, it's usually a couple conversations. What I look at is the first thing I try to find out is in the conversation, what is their experiences? You know, what's their tolerance to risk? Yes, sure. I'll give them a risk questionnaire that'll, you know, Oh, if the market did this, what would you do and those type of things. But you really find out like the times that we're experiencing now in the month of January and February so far with the market in a real state of fluctuation. That's when you really find out what people's tolerance to risk is. Sure. Because everyone is happy. Oh, I'll go for the gold. uh, (laughs) You know, I want to take as much risk. I see everyone making money. I want to make money. But what happens on that day where the market turns around and goes crazy? Totally. What would happen if you were betting oil was going back up to 140, and now it's at 20? Oh, actually, today it's spiked up. But if it was down around 30? Sure. Tolerance to risk is very critically important, as well as your time horizon, your tax bracket, and a lot of other factors. But one other question that I've, I've really put into my conversation is, and tell me what are your values and what are your beliefs?
0: Okay, um, interesting. What are your
1: ethics? And this is, this is really becoming more pronounced by other people. And the reason I ask that is that everyone thinks it's so difficult to have a portfolio or investment that reflect what you think. And I ask why not. Okay. There's an exchange if you believe that climate change is a problem and you would like to do something about it, believe it or not, there's an exchange traded fund or an ETF that you can buy that has no fossil fuel in it.
0: Really? That's interesting. I didn't know that. It's it's relatively new, but you know,
1: if the originally the socially conscious is kind of the term it started out as was by one or two mutual funds and one fund started it and it was really it was against the sin type of things you know it didn't have the def- the tobacco and right. then it dev- dev- uh, evolved into well you could wouldn't have any defense contractors for people that didn't believe in the war machine interesting uh, or war uh but you know the the tobacco was the early thing right now there's you can really get a good balanced portfolio in almost all areas and they've found in the socially conscious or in that type of thinking it's available it's much harder work for guys like myself to find it sure but I ask this is that if you're talking that way, that you believe in climate change or you have certain religious beliefs or you believe in, you know, solar and not the pollution or whatever, or you're – the biggest thing is people who eat organic and don't want the GMOs in their food. Interesting. So you can do that. It just is – it's not hard, but you can – create a portfolio that is customized without great difficulty and easy to understand for yourself.
0: Interesting.
1: And the the thing is, is that it doesn't, it's not that hard, but it can be done and it can be understandable. So the biggest thing I want you to do is take control of your finances that you understand them again. If you have the information, then you're addressing the fear, which most people have, which is an unknown. Oh, I don't want to do that. Well, why not? Well, I don't understand it is usually the question. Sure. Or it can do this. Yes, it can, but it can also do that. So understanding what you have and how that piece fits into the overall asset allocation, which is a big overused term, which means okay, you we know your risk tolerance is this, which means 40% is going to be in large reputable companies, okay this piece fits into this piece of the puzzle here okay. so everything that we're doing you understand, but you understand why you right. don't have to know a bond duration is calculated this way you know, that's for nerds like myself <laughs> that really kind of live and die on that stuff but you know, it's Take control with understanding and what you want to do. You know, it's – but put what you believe, and if you're going to talk it, walk it. Sure. So you have – you know, there's so many different socially conscious – if I can use that term, and now it's socially conscious, governmental um, philosophy – and that's for every age. You can buy that with a minimum of fifty dollars a month, or maybe some of them have a minimum of a hundred or two hundred dollars. Right, and that can be readily available.
0: Sure. So they're pretty but, like it's pretty affordable, right, to get into this stuff and then pick something that you're, you're passionate about and maybe you'd follow investments better. I know I would if if I was doing that kind of stuff, and I probably should be. It's interesting.
1: But it's it's not hard. But most people don't know it, and right. most people don't talk about it because people who are just on a commission space, they're just trying to make a sale. Right Now, that's not condemning the people that are on that side. They've, they're very good people on that side, but you know, if you've ever worked with a broker, when I talked to a guy you know, that was selling me a stock, my average conversation was maybe a minute, maybe a minute, sure. 30 seconds to a minute. Sure. Hey, I found this great thing. You want to buy it? It's, uh, it looks good okay.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
1: But you know, if you're not in a transaction business, uh, it's a lot easier, but also it's easier if you understand, Hey, we're buying Microsoft or Facebook to fill this part of your puzzle. We're expecting this and we're going to give it a chance to perform. Sure. But, but to me, if you're buying, um, a lot of people say, well, I'm afraid of, well, let's address the fear. What I do is when I buy something, I get a buy-in strategy, okay. but I also figure out where the exit strategy is. If you have bought, uh, I don't know, you bought an investment today and it went up 25% tomorrow, okay. you want to leave it on the table and see whether it goes up, or would you just sell it and take your profit and move on? And if it moves back down, then you buy more of it.
0: Okay, but interesting. the thing
1: is is that you understand if you're dealing with the person who's helping strategize, what's the strategy? So if your strategy is, well, let's say uh, if it goes up 20 or 25%, we'll talk about selling it and sell it. But where do we sell it if it goes down?
0: right everyone's good at
1: going everyone's good when they're making money sure nobody complains oh i made 18 percent and i wanted 19 they're happy (laughs) exactly but the thing is is that the problem comes on and particularly with a lot of people they they don't want to let go if they're on a piece of paper they're losing money right i bought i bought uh apple at 110 and it's at 94 oh i can't do that well if you had set up your original strategy that said, well, if Apple goes up 25%, I'll look at it again. It's one of my core holdings or whatever it is. Sure. And by no means am I recommending any stock because I can't do that. Sure. Um, but now, if you said, if it went down 10%, I would have sold it. Which means, would you or would you have
0: not? I got you. Interesting. You know. So yeah. you you
1: have your strategy and you say. Part of what I do is to hold you to your strategy.
0: Okay, interesting. You
1: know, is it is it worth keeping, or do we want to add to the position when it's this low?
0: Uh, interesting, is, yeah, okay, I see.
1: But uh, I also have people that do, you know, ask me. I had one guy who was actually a real a good friend of mine and a neighbor, he called me and said, hey, uh, you know, find out about this for me. And I said... And I looked at it, and I said, mm, I, I can't really get my head around it. I don't know what this guy is doing. I wouldn't feel comfortable suggesting it. Okay. About a year later, he calls me back. And by the way, remember that I to- asked you about that question? I said, no. <laughs> Being honest with you, no. <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, uh, it may have slipped my mind, uh, but the, the thought was is that he said, I got to say thank you. I said, for what? He said, you told me not to do something. I said, okay. And he said, that person turned out to be a bit of a fraud.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um,
1: So some people just want me to kind of help them do the due diligence. Let's face it. Everyone makes mistakes and everyone likes claiming and, you know, oh, look at this. How many people talk about their mistakes?
0: Sure.
1: Uh, I'm human. I make my share of mistakes. But if you're looking at a long term or a time horizon and you do your due diligence, you have a better chance of, of starting out. And, you know, this is one thing that I do in talking to people is I want to I want to hear what they have to say. I want to listen to what they're talking about to be able to figure out all those risks in the time and their dreams, because if you can think it. And you put it in writing, you stand a much better chance. I have a very simple saying that uh, started out <laughs> as kind of a joke, but it really took off. Was that if you have a plan and you don't put it in writing, you have a wish.
0: Okay, interesting. You,
1: yeah, you need to you need to have it in writing where not reflect on it every day but I have you know look at it once a year that's why I have semi-annual or annual reviews that's why people have the free access I give them my cell phone number and I say if you got a question call because it's not just what you got it's giving you the motivation to keep going to get started and take action you know all these plans are worthless unless you take action Totally, you got to take action, but the key to it is you got to monitor it. You got to keep keep an eye on it to make sure it's on track. You know, if you thought ten years ago you would be sitting in that chair talking to some uh, guy, in a, you know, in a registered investment advisor in New
0: York, could you ever think of it? I mean, sure. No, totally. You're you're totally right. Like, yeah, the, you're you're 100 right. Yeah, that's interesting
1: my another favorite saying i got life happens yep. i mean i've got one guy who was in massachusetts and he's moving to new york but all of a sudden he may get an offer for out in california so he's not sure where or how or what he's going to do sure and it's it's the that's the fun part of life is you you just you're along and you got to enjoy the ride because you don't get to be 25 or 30 or more than once it yep. goes fast so and i do, and i think that one key thing that if i have to tell someone uh in your audience every person let's say an entrepreneur or a business person needs four invi- uh four advisors okay and those four advisors are you need a good accountant you need a cpa to keep you going because you got to do the taxes you got to do your filings right and they become a very critical component of your life particularly as if you're in an, uh, america april 15th is of sticks out in my head for some reason i can't remember why oh yeah it's <laughs> tax day um but you know you got to have a system you got to be somewhat organized but the second advisor you need is some type of attorney okay uh, it's not just for the little you know oh i got a parking ticket or a speeding ticket or the bumps and lumps of life you know there's different types of attorneys for different types of businesses and one attorney i've i like very much is in the uh, intellectual property okay very on, because you have you have intellectual property, believe it or not. You have trademark. You have sayings, but you have your name. And you want to protect your business. You don't want to all of a sudden come up with a business that you find. And I had one client that did that. He had a name of a business, and it was on the other side of the country. They hadn't used it, so he started using it. And all of a sudden, he was in business for almost eight years, and he gets a letter in the mail, cease and desist, using our name. <laughs> and there were two unrelated businesses, but basically, it went to court, and he lost. So his business of eight, eight, eight years that he had built from scratch wound up having to change its name, <laughs> because someone else had trademarked it.
0: Sure. No, well, so that makes a lot of way, sense. That's good advice.
1: Yeah, but it's you got a trademark, you got a patent. So there's different types of laws, and you know there's a lot of good lawyer jokes, but we won't go there. But the, <laughs> <laughs> but the third type of advisor is kind of if you're in a business and an entrepreneur, is you need your property and casualty guy. You got to get your. Uh, I'm talking to um, a business now, and they they deal with some food. And so there's a just think of all the things you've seen in the newspaper about meats or Mm -hmm. uh, or coming off the produce in California, you know, and it turns out it was next to a farm. I mean, I don't want to be that guy that has to worry about that at two o'clock in the morning. Because my product it has to be recalled, and the FDA is knocking on the door. Totally. Um, so you need that protection, whether it's the home or the car or the liability or the errors and omission. Those people are – and the fourth person that you need is a good CFP, certified financial planner, because they're looking at the overall overall situation that you have. And sure. what they're doing is – they're kind of making sure everyone talks to each other, they're, that the information is shared. You know, sometimes the accountants only look from the accounting and saving you money now. Well, sometimes you may want to pay now and not have issues down the line or make more. Particularly comes in handy when you start talking in a state plan. Sure. Gee, you could give away $5 million to a trust and, The federal government allows you to do it. Uh, The U.S. federal government, right? So, you know, the accountants sometimes look at their field, and they look at their field from a a tax perspective, and that's what they do really well. But sometimes you got to spend a little to make a little more, which is a critical part of the business. But a CFP is the guy who puts those six pictures, six pieces of your picture. And tries to keep them in balance, but also keeps the team of advisors around you kind of, you know, the, keeping you on track and keeping you going. Because if, you, if those areas are handled, you're allowed to focus on what you do best, which is your business and your ideas, and move forward. Sure. Do I want to be worried about getting all my receipts and putting this and getting my deadlines and spending 20 hours on taxes can i do it yes do i want to do it i'd rather pay my accountant who is better at doing that my c (laughs) cpa who is paid to keep up with the nuances of the law and save me money sure i don't want to deal with that irs letter or the new york state letter or some other states letter to me
0: sure makes total sense
1: I learned in my business, because really this is my third business that I've kind of started from scratch, uh, is that I've learned that I know what my strengths are. Right. I know what my weaknesses are.
0: Which is hugely important.
1: It it really is. And I know what time I've got. Sure. And if I want to be worrying about pencils or do I want to worry about whether my clients return on investment or preparing for a meeting so i don't sound dumber than i really am <laughs> which tends to be really easy but uh you know with you know i'd rather be doing what i do best which is meeting with people and guiding them and assisting them i'm sure. here to help you uh, get where you want to go the spotlight isn't on me the spotlight is on you to get you to the kids through college to get the mortgage paid off To live in a warm climate because – or someplace, whatever your dreams are. If you can dream it, you put it in writing, you got a target that you can hit. You don't have a wish. Sure. But the wishes should be put into it.
0: Peter, I love it. Sadly, we're out of time. I I think that's a great way to end the show. But I think um, let's maybe just cover where people can – find you guys online and any other kind of social media links you want to promote, and I'll post these in the show notes as well.
1: Well, you can reach me at, if you have a question, you can always reach me at uh, my email address, which which is Peter at Crystal Brook Advisors C-R-Y-S-T-A-L B-R-O-O-K A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S dot com Um, I have a blog at my website is crystal brook advisors.com and that's crystal brook a d v i s o r s dot com um or you can follow me or send me notes on twitter at uh crystal b advisor a d v i s o r um and that's uh the easiest thing and yeah i do write for some things and I have a very simple philosophy. Everybody deserves to have a simple, you know, understandable, not simple answer, but uh, an answer to a question. And I'm here to help you get where you want to go and help you define it if you need to define it and give you alternatives to get, you know, that you can select based on knowledge and understanding.
0: Peter, thanks again for doing this. I love it. Um, you know, I'm glad that you took the time under your your busy day to kind of chat with me and be on the show and I'm excited to kind of keep in touch with you and kind of see where things go in 2016.
1: I think it's going to be a very interesting year. But you know, I'm looking forward to it. Uh believe it or not, we're we're entering February, so we're down with the the longest darkest month of the year, I think. <laughs> um I think it's going to be an exciting year. I think it's going to be filled with volatility, but I, you know, I look forward to uh, answering any questions, helping people. And if you've got a few, uh, a few questions, feel free to ask me, and uh, we'll let you go on that note, I suppose.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks again, Peter. Um, I'm, you know, like I said, glad you did this, and uh, you know, excited to have this thing go live. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Sounds great, man. All right, you have a good one. Take we'll care. talk soon. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. Until next time, keep building the future.